0: What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Footcandle Films. Film news and reviews from two
1: guys who really like movies.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Footcandle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on
1: TheMesh.TV. This is Alan.
2: I'm Chris. Chris, Hello. how are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Looking good. forward to talking about some, well, I was going to say movies that don't have any references to the Oscars, but not eh, There's true. a
1: little bit, but it's, it's getting further yeah, away. It's. We kind of tried to put, we put 2016 thing. supposedly to bed. Last episode, we do have one more film that was in that 2016 award discussion to review, but after that, I really do think we're done.
2: I think we finally. I think
1: we can finally kind of move on to the year that we're already three months into. <laughs> <laughs> this is Foot Candle Films. This is our film show where we talk about movies, we uh, discuss movie news. We always try to review at least one, two, maybe even three films, which will be the case in this episode. Right. And then after the news are done, we will also try to hit some uh, recommendations for you. A couple of films. Each of us choose one that we can recommend you might want to go back and look in the online video vault see if you can find to rent or stream that we think is worth checking out maybe one that flew under the radar or just something you've forgotten about over time but first what we do is we always hit our reviews and we actually have three reviews to discuss in today's show first off we'll be discussing uh the film tony erdman which is uh, german germany's entry into the foreign Uh, Best Picture nomination category last year, and it was a nomination uh, submitted by Germany, and it was selected as one of the five nominees for Best Foreign Picture. Spoiler, it did not win, but uh, it was a nominee. We're going to talk about uh, Tony Erdman. We'll follow that with the uh, horror, and I'm going to use the word quote horror around it because I don't know. Chris is going to tell me all about the film (laughs) Get Out, which I'm understanding is a horror film, but maybe there's something else to it. I don't know. I'm going to wait and see what Chris has to say. Then we'll finish out our reviews on my side uh, with my review of the film Logan. That is the Wolverine film. Just in case you're concerned, not a movie documentary about the chain of steakhouses. So just want to make sure, or the airport. Want to make sure it's very (laughs) clear we are talking the superhero guy here. So that's our three reviews. Then we'll do our news. Then our recommendations. Chris. Ready to go?
2: Let's get started.
1: All right, let's get into our first uh, review. Chris, we need to talk about Tony. <laughs> Tony Erdman.
0: I'm Tony. T- Tony Erdman. Nice to meet you. I'm consultant and coach. So this is the
2: feminist in the ärgern, but... I'm
0: not a feminist. I wouldn't have a type of type of You. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. And my father made a stupid joke. Willst you mich fertig machen favor? It's to make me happy, or what? If you go to my father, I'm not the right one.
1: Chris, we have the film Tony Erdman, which is a 2016 film released in the United States at the very end of the year. Uh, made it just in time to make sure it's considered for Best Foreign Picture, which some people had it as the favorite to win Best Foreign Picture. It did not win. Uh, mm-hmm. this, the Salesman was the film that won that category. But we have Tony Erdman, which I'll go ahead and kind of throw a couple interesting caveats about the film out there first. Okay. Um, Chris Fry is not a fan of long movies. This is true. So this In film, general. In general. Uh, generally speaking. Yeah. This film is two hours and 42 minutes long. Red flag. That's red flag number one. Okay. Mm-hmm. You read the description of the film, and it sounds kind of hokey in the mm-hmm. description. A practical, joking father tries to connect with his hardworking daughter that he's worried about by creating this outrageous alter ego and posing as her life coach, or as her CEO's life coach. All right, wait, that just sounds like a comedy with some elements of drama, a little family comedy, light film, you know, hardworking daughter and the father's wanting her to relax a little bit. So he's going to put on this outrageous and persona bonding. and they're bonding. Yeah, right. Again, on the surface, this, the, the plot sounds pretty simple. Then you got the fact that it's two hours and 42 minutes mm-hmm. and you take into fact that there are some very interesting scenes. I'm sure we'll kind of dance around a little bit that really very unique for a film like this so Chris it's a unique experience I guess is what I'm trying to describe here in going in to see Tony Erdman let's just kind of get right to the chase with it. I always just like to ask you the simple questions because I don't know where you want to go with your end of the review here but did it earn the two hours and 42 minutes of your life (laughs) you gave to it because that is in generally longer than we would typically give a traditional film especially one coming out of the Hollywood market this one being coming from Germany Did it earn its almost three-hour running time? Did it keep you engaged? Did it have anything more to say than that simple plot line I described?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like it was going for a lot more than what that plot synopsis suggests. Okay. Um, This movie, I imagine, would be a tough sell for American markets in general. You throw out the running time, then it's a foreign language film, and there are not a lot of, you know, obviously foreign actors in it, so it doesn't doesn't have a lot going for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and you watch, you know, this is one of the rare things that you watch a trailer and it doesn't spoil anything about the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's not, it doesn't really give you a sense of what's going to be happening. The film is very slow paced and very deliberately paced. There's mm-hmm. things that happen and hints that happen that kind of pay off later in the film. Um, so I, to me, who does get very antsy with that long of a running time. Was it worth it? Do I want my two hours and 42 minutes back? No, I I enjoyed the film. Could it have been shorter? Sure. But I think my hesitation in saying that, especially with this film is to get the kind of impact that I think it's going for. And the realism aspect Mm -hmm. that it's going for, it needs the pace to kind of be what it was. Mm -hmm. And we've talked as a news item on this show that they're making an American remake of this and that Jack Nicholson's going to play the father role and that Kristen Wiig's going to play the daughter role. And I can already envision there's no way in heck that they'll let it go to two hours and 42 minutes. And what they'll lose in that, will it probably be very... It will likely be commercially successful in the U.S., which is not that there's anything Mm -hmm. wrong with that. But some of the nuance of... And the patience that the filmmakers took, mm-hmm. I, I, I imagine, will be lost. Um, that would be there, my guess. There are three, let's see, let me, I'm trying to, there are three key scenes okay. in the film that really kind of sold it for me. All right. Um, there is a scene, the daughter, you know, as you mentioned, she she's hardworking, you know, she's in this business type atmosphere where she's a consultant. Right. And she's trying to consult with these big companies about hirings and firings, basically, yeah. and about downsizing and all outsourcing, this. Outsourcing. Outsourcing. Uh, just
1: different decisions that would impact people, right. you know, at the companies. Yeah,
2: You know, so she's very hard-edged, you know, workaholic type person. Played her, by
1: Sandra Healer. by yes, the way. Mm-hmm. Which,
2: acting-wise, I thought she did a great job. Mm-hmm. I thought her father did a great job. Yes. Um, or the guy who plays her father, which his name, might as well throw it out, is Peter... Shimonashek? Yes. Shimonishek. I'll, I'll go with that. Simonishek. Yep. Um out. so both of them I thought did an awesome job, and they have to carry really the majority of this film. It's
1: mm-hmm.
2: them. Yeah. Um again, the father, I could see in different hands, in not Jack Nicholson's hands, because I don't think he would go this route, but if somebody like Robin Williams were to do the role, mm-hmm. it would just be terrible because it'd be too formulaic. Be too much. over the over the top or even well I love Will Ferrell and I love Robin Williams but like Will Ferrell trying to play this father role of you know the kind of the goofy trying to bond with his father like it would just be too much yeah and that's the thing about this guy is in general he's kind of a dork yeah but he's and he's maybe funny but not really
1: he doesn't really get a lot of people laughing at what he does it's more humoring himself. He thinks that he's being funny and humorous, even though the people around him don't really seem don't to be really. very
2: okay. amused. Hold on to that thought. Okay. Cause I want to, I want to circle back, Sure. but hitting again, the three big things. Um, so it was describing the daughter, which is important for the setup of the scene that I'm going to have to dance around a little bit, but mm-hmm. she is hooking up with a coworker. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you get the impression that this has happened before. And, they're going to have sex basically Mm -hmm. just throw that out there. And, you know, you typically think you've seen her as someone and her father has hinted that this in conversations with her, she doesn't seem to have any joy in life. Mm -hmm. She is just miserable. You know, are you happy? All this kind of stuff. So you think, okay, she's taking a break from work. Hey, she's going to, you know, have a fling with one of Mm -hmm. her coworkers and you think, okay, we're going to see her kind of let loose. We're going to see her, you know, enjoy something. And you think at the beginning, maybe that's the way this is going. And then no, no, Mm-hmm. It turns into a very awkward, prolonged scene between the two of them. And I have never seen, they're again dancing around specifics. Um, definitely not a movie for the children though. Throw yeah. that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen anything quite like this in cinema. And I don't doubt I'll ever see anything quite like it again. But what it establishes is how miserable she mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. She is so miserable with herself with the world, with the people around her, she's just miserable. And, you know, you've seen sex scenes used as like, you know, escapism or used as like mm-hmm. revenge tools or, you know, in like thriller type movies. And this isn't that obviously, but I've never seen a sex scene used like this. Mm-hmm. And it just was, I don't know. It was very interesting, very uncomfortable to watch. Cause it just, you know, but Still, that was just very interesting. A very that kind of made the movie. It kind of woke me up because it's very also shocking, and that yeah. kind of woke me up like, "Whoa, that's kind of a direction I didn't expect this to go."
1: Well, and I know you're you're getting into other scenes as well, but sure. on this one, real quick, uh, to me that scene it, it happens about halfway through the movie, or maybe just under halfway. Yeah, sure. And even though I've I had gotten a pretty good impression of who she was up to that point, that scene let me know exactly who she was. I oh, mean. Yeah. It, was it leaves no doubt in your no mind. No doubt, and right. it's just okay. I've got this personality. I know who she is now, and and what I loved about her performance, just to key off of that, is it was never a performance where she had to come out and say to anybody, "I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. I'm. I work too hard. I need to learn to relax." Nothing. Everything she portrayed was just through her face, her silence at times her heard the scenes that when nobody's looking and nobody's interacting with her that's where you find out who she is and she does a great job of portraying that it was very authentic in that she said the kind of things that you would say to people to make other people think that she's got everything under control and she's good and she's happy and confident and all that right but then everything else portrays her from her appearance and the way she talks and walks and acts it's just uh, it was a I thought it was a really impressive acting performance well
2: touching on that too before i move on to the other two moments Mm -hmm. um, is with any movie i think you can say that with runtime specifically like why is it long are they just going down too many plot threads or whatever but we often movie critics will sometimes say you know show me don't tell me and this movie sometimes maybe to its detriment because it was two hours and 42 minutes that's what it did. It showed you things mm-hmm. and let you interpret them however you might interpret them. Sure. It told you very little. Yeah. You have to, you pick up along the way how unhappy she is. How many, Yeah, she never comes out and says like, oh, I hate my... There's no speech. big speech at no, some point no, or this no, big no. emotional
1: breakdown for her where she's just pouring her soul out. No, it's, you just, you fought. It was very authentic from that. And
2: the relationship, and this leads into my second second big scene, the relationship between her and her father is just, you know, hinted at and you know, you kind of get a growing sense of where it's going, but they don't just come out and tell you that either. He never has this big long dialogue about his daughter. She never has a big long dialogue about her father. You mm-hmm. just know that there, there are gaps there. Yeah. The second scene that I'll touch on is there's a moment of karaoke in the movie to mm-hmm. Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. And that scene in itself could have been like a a short film to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was so much emotion it kind of goes even though all it is is somebody singing a song it communicates a lot and there are two major characters that kind of exchange glances or one character keeps looking at the other kind of wondering what's going on and seems a little nervous and you can interpret that many different ways Mm -hmm. but without spoiling anything I'm just going to leave it at that but I really liked that scene like I just keep coming back to how much I like that scene
1: I think that scene actually yeah I, I agree with you after seeing it the second time, like I did last night, uh, seeing the movie twice in a row, that scene uh, I appreciated it even more the second time, because I was watching their faces, especially the father's face. Okay, and yeah. it, it, it starts to make you wonder about her childhood, oh, about yeah. their their relationship years ago, and how it's maybe Is changed over time. something behind this
2: song? The yeah. words in that song. Yeah. ahead. I'm not the biggest fan of Whitney Houston. Sorry, podcast podcast (laughs) listeners, if you are, I've never really paid attention to her music at all. But that song, it it makes me want to listen to that song again (laughs) because of the words, and the words discuss things that are going like love and all this kind of stuff, and loving yourself, and like all this stuff. I mean, it is so good. And at first, you're like, "Why are they playing a Whitney Houston song?" (laughs) Like, but it, man, it is, it is like one of my favorite, even though it was from 2016. But it's it's one of my favorite scenes because I didn't see it until twenty seventeen. It's so far it's yeah. like one of my favorite scenes it of the year scene. so You're far. And right. there were mm-hmm. three months in. Okay, last but not least, um, there's a party scene at the end of this movie that uh, uses nudity to great effect. Yes, <laughs> shocking full frontal nudity of both mm-hmm. male and female. Um, but it's and it also leads to a significant character. Mm-hmm development and it's not just like oh let's just throw this in there because we think it's going to be funny and new people running around is funny nope, nope. There's, there's a lot more to it more to that and actually the father's appearance in that scene mm. and is is just amazing yeah
1: the, the less said about the specifics of that scene the better for your enjoyment you're right though all three of the scenes you mentioned chris are are the three highlight scenes of the film for me okay um it's not to say that I didn't appreciate the rest of the film I did but really those three scenes and there's maybe one more that kind of stood out to me that I thought were really really well done scenes. Okay. My I liked the movie as well. Um I probably had a little bit more uh disconnect with it. I'm still sure. wrestling with a few things in the film but there are to me the some of those 3 to 4 scenes were great. Wonderful moments of cinema. I'm still wrestling with whether or not the whole film as a whole works meaning start to finish you know that's my issue with it I I will say I think the lead characters are both fascinating yeah well acted interesting characters both of them playing very realistic I mean even the father again it would have been so easy to play it as over the top corny and all that but it was played so subtly where it's like you know a family member kind of like this he's who's Trying to be funny all the time. Trying to
2: be the life of the party. Trying to be the life
1: of the party. But it's not quite there. I yeah. mean, it's like maybe maybe he was in a certain time period, but he's not now, and it's a little embarrassing now, and it's more irritating than it is funny. And uh, but it was played just right, and then the daughter I've already mentioned thought was great. Um, so let me let me yeah. throw out a
2: theory mm-hmm. um, because you've talked about how the description of this movie said the father was going to be. A, the CEO's life coach kind of insinuates himself yeah. into the life of that. It's a little
1: confusing, a plot line that didn't well, really match up. If but you watch the
2: preview, they do show him kind of putting on a wig that is a horrible wig yes, and putting on a ridiculous set of false teeth. Yeah. So you're like, Oh, so he's going to actually make people believe that he is somebody or people are going to think he's a real person yeah. that he could be this. But actually after thinking about it and letting it soak in to me, my kind of alternate take on the movie is at no point in this movie does anybody think he is anybody but someone related to this girl. They, I think somehow they sense that all he is is a buffoon, but he's harmless, and he's actually bringing some amount of life or levity to their otherwise pretty miserable lives and Mm -hmm. business is just business. It's grading. It's always about trying to make deals and hang out with people and take people to take business CEOs, wives to a mall instead of getting to talk at the table. You're Mm -hmm. belittled because you're a woman and you just say, Oh, take her shopping, all this stuff. And they see him as nothing but a buffoon, but they humor him because they see the effect that it seems to have on her. Maybe it's, softening her a little bit or something and I think like even some of her friends they humor him at first but I think they they're kind of onto it from the very beginning no one is ever fooled that he is actually some type of life coach but I I, I don't know I I think there's there's something to the fact that it's like the whole film he just kind of plays it as just kind of a goof he's just having a joke and people don't really know maybe the whole story but they humor him because it's something different it's somebody actually being Real. I, and somebody yeah. has no ulterior motive other than to possibly make someone I, smile. Uh, I don't and know. people I, even call him out yeah, on it yeah, one yeah. point.
1: There but there's there's only two scenes that even address the whole person personality he's trying to be and posing as this life coach. I mean really It's a little misleading, both the title of the film, the plot line of the film and all that. Mm -hmm. This whole posing as a life coach really only is discussed in two or three scenes. It's really not a major part of the film at all. And it's a little confusing of exactly what people do think or know or believe about him. I do think there's a moment where he, when I'm thinking on the terrace of the the top of this uh, office building where um, the girl, the daughter and her boss have a conversation and... Tony Erdman is off to the side having lunch and makes some comments. That's the first time he says, Oh, I'm so and so the CEO of the organization's life coach. And they both walk away, and I don't get any sense of whether they believe it or not believe it, or just think he's kind of a weird guy. Uh, they yeah. make some throwaway comment, the one guy does about huh, it seems a little odd that the CEO would have that guy as a life coach or something like that. It makes just this like, right, throwaway comment. Reference. So, again, that's really, other than that, and one other scene, it really doesn't play into the plot much at all I mean it's really just the whole plot is he's getting close to his daughter or trying to be close to his daughter that's that's it well and the opposing
2: ceo who she's trying to woo he sees that from the get-go yeah and actually insinuates in having him follow him along and join them for a drink like because he makes some crack about you know oh you know it's my daughter and I thought I was going to pay somebody else to be my daughter cuz she was never around but you know at and that he point he wasn't
1: that, Tony Erdman yet he wasn't yeah. yet but he mm.
2: thinks that's funny and he he kind of insinuates. I yeah. don't know I think he sees something there
1: well so. you kind of brought up something that I do think is a concern of mine with the film okay and I don't know if it's because I mean I hate I hate blaming it on uh, different cultures and different storytelling techniques in a film but there were moments of the film that just didn't make sense. I I had a hard time understanding how people were perceiving Tony Erdman. I mean, we're, I had a hard time following who was the CEO of what company and who are they referring to with different people's names. And then there's a whole excursion that the daughter and father take that I ultimately understand the reason for the scene being in the film. And it did have a very profound impact on the story of the film, but the rationale for even going on this trip in the first place. And the reason why, she took her father on this trip with her and allowed him to be part of these discussions with this company she's trying to strike a deal with it was i'm still wrestling with a few elements of the film that i'm just not quite sure what was driving the character motivations to do these
2: things here's the thing and i i understand what you're saying Mm -hmm. and basically she goes on this trip where she witnesses a lot of what could be outcomes of the business decisions that she's making, yeah. the downsizing, the mm-hmm. outsourcing, all that type stuff. The father, of course, tags along and is a little bit of a buffoon. The thing was, it was so subtly done. And, you know, kind of a American cinema, independent cinema, shaggily done. It mm-hmm. wasn't very tight. Yeah. But that, to me, even though probably adds to the running time, um, better than what I could imagine – a slick production would be where it's, it would end up being very heavy handed. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so the looser kind of shagginess to it that you're not really clear on where they're going with mm-hmm. it and kind of an extended payoff for it. I guess I give it a pass because like you're saying, it's a foreign film and maybe some of the references I'm yeah. not getting, but um, yeah, I can, I can see that. That was just, you know,
1: I, I will say my likes, I thought the two lead characters were fascinating. I think really, really interesting to watch. And so much is communicated in glances, silence, moments of pauses. It's just, it was real. I mean, I felt like these were two characters I totally could buy being real and having this kind of interesting relationship with one another. Um, I think the film did a good job of mixing in some really great moments of humor. Again, one of the scenes in particular you mentioned. Well, two, actually. I thought the karaoke was both funny and really touching and telling at the same time. it
2: starts off being funny because... Yeah, it's just the well. It's line. funny
1: because of the outrageousness of it. <laughs> after a while, but then when you're starting to realize that this is talking a lot more about their relationship and maybe the words re- of the song and relating some things in the past, it becomes a lo- mo- lot more tender moment and a lot more interesting moment. But I do think the film, you know, the film had some nice moments of tenderness and real emotion. I mean, I do think at the the, the end of the party scene. You know, there is a moment where there is some connection and it, and it just really felt earned i mean at that point oh, yeah. and it was kind of an emotional moment i mean it was really good well done so it was a good blend you know i know a lot of movies especially american films try to blend comedy and then they'll throw in those little heart-tugging moments to try to balance it out this film earned both the humor and the moments of, of true emotion really well and like you said too some of the, like letting some of the scenes play out and let some yeah, something I talked about with the audiences the last two nights is I would always admire a film that is not afraid to keep the camera rolling. Oh, yeah. You know, where like just some scenes you just wonder why is this scene going on for so long? And the way I keep saying it, I mean, it's, it's, it's real life. Real life doesn't yeah. have editing every five seconds to cut to another scene. We're watching people pause and think and contemplate. And that, Really worked in the film, so I think those. This, those this film
2: like. has several funny moments, moments in it, and if all it was after was being a comedy, then yeah, trim it down to ninety minutes. Don't do the extended mm-hmm. takes, but the the drama elements and letting the camera roll and making it feel more real life. I, that was very intentional. I think they wanted they wanted to try to do both, both be a drama, well, a family drama, yeah. and and have there's some a lot really more
1: going on in the film. There's sure. a lot more discussion in this film than you would typically have in a, in a, a more Hollywood version. Sure. You know, you're dealing with uh, the economy, economic yeah. issues. You're dealing with you know, people related uh, with their jobs, with poverty. There's a lot of commentary about status and poverty between different uh, types of people in the community. Um, you've obviously got the uh, the father-daughter dynamics, but then it goes into a broader spectrum of all family relationships and just – it had a lot more going on for it, a lot more to say than right. I think a typical film would. Um, that being said, uh, you know, even though I love the long scenes and the moments of silence and the, uh, letting it breathe a lot, uh, it might have been just a little too long. Just a little. You know, there, <laughs> are, there were a few scenes I felt like were starting to get maybe a little repetitive or kind of spin us in a circle a little bit and not really <laughs> propelling the, the, the story as much as I would have liked. Okay. And it makes me wonder if there couldn't have been... 10, 15 minutes cut from this film and still be extremely effective. And then, like I said, I just, I'm just i still trying to wrestle with some of the, the storyline points that I felt like were a little disjointed and maybe I just didn't quite follow the motivations behind in trying to understand how that was affecting the story. Hmm. But I will say, I love the first part of the film, the setup. gonna give us all the lay of the land. I mean, we, we know... I figured out a lot about the main character, the, the daughter... Within the first 30 seconds, she's on screen. Sure. Because we see her, you know, it just, she's pretending to be on the cell phone just to kind of get away and kind of have a moment alone. You know, she's putting on a good front for people, but you can tell that there is some real sorrow and sadness in there and loneliness. It's just all very evident. It just, it was really well done. Um, So I like the opening. I like those three scenes that you mentioned quite a bit. There was one more dialogue at a, I guess, a health spa where, um, She was going to get a massage, and the massage was not to her liking, and her father was there with her. And it was just such a natural, good father-daughter conversation, but again, it tells you a lot. Communicated a lot. Oh, yeah. It's like she got so kind of frustrated that the masseuse wasn't very good, and she just got up and walked out. And she kind of snapped at one of the guys who came to apologize and offered her a free drink, and she kind of took advantage of it. And the father's just like, you know, don't you think you're a little hard on her? And, you know, are you not happy? And it was like it was a very – it was contentious, but it told you a lot about their past relationship and Absolutely. i I liked it a lot, so there were moments like that that were great um and then the whole ending I thought was really well done so it's just some of the storyline moments in that middle hour and a half that i just I'm still kind of wrestling with if it couldn't have been told a little better and streamlined a little better to get us to that great opening that great closing uh twenty thirty minutes or so each so
2: yeah. I'm really happy this film was nominated for an academy award for Mm -hmm. best foreign pictures last time we'll talk about oscars maybe (laughs) um i'm not surprised it didn't win Mm -hmm. but i am glad that it was nominated because i hope it encourages more people to see it
1: it's a little more of an acquired taste film it's not for everybody true i will say just for all fair fair warning i mean it was probably one of the few films that we showed at our film society where we had more people walk out than than normal Uh, The Tree of Life would have been the last one I can remember, the (laughs) Terrence Malick film years ago.
2: In my opinion, that's pretty good company. I had
1: a lot of people walk (laughs) out of The Tree of Life, and there were some people walking out of this film. Some people commented it was boring. Some people just commented didn't get it. And I think some moments were, especially the one scene in particular, a little shocking for an audience. That being said, I always admire a film that is daring to be a little unique, daring to lay it all out on the table, and I think this film did. So I, I did ultimately like it. Good that's tony erdman uh probably not playing in a theater interview i'm going to take the chance and saying probably not theater wise but it should be online pretty soon yeah uh, after we after you listen to this episode so um if you got three hours to plunk down and uh want something a little different a little unique uh i think we both say it's definitely worth your time to check out okay So let's move on to our next review, which will be a one-sided review because I'm the only one who's seen it. Chris is not, but I'll be happy to talk about it. That film is Logan.
0: Logan,
2: what did you do? Charles, the world is not the same as it was.
0: Mutants. They're gone now. I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real
2: Logan is the latest of the Marvel Universe movies that feature Hugh Jackman and maybe maybe, will be his last role as yeah. Wolverine. You know, he keeps saying that. Yeah, I'm uh, not saying. <laughs> so, uh, but Alan, I'm just curious. I have you re- referenced. I haven't seen this film. Mm-hmm. I am going on record as being kind of burned out on hero movies, whether they be mm-hmm. DC or mm-hmm. Marvel. Sure. Just kind of, you know, X-Men Apocalypse just totally drove it into the Kinda Kind
1: of was the nail in the coffin for yeah. you. Yeah.
2: I'm curious, though. I remember when Deadpool came out, people were you know, jumping for joy because they said, oh, here's a different type of superhero movie. And what Deadpool had going for it was that it was the humor and that the breaking the fourth wall and referencing to directly to the camera and all that kind of hamminess going mm-hmm. on that people felt it was kind of a breath of fresh air to the yeah. whole cartoon movie, you know, franchise idea. So with Logan, we have, I've heard rumblings again where this movie is different mm-hmm. from the other X-Men movies from the other Wolverine movie that he made with the same director prior to this, James Mm -hmm. Mangold, but that this one just is kind of as if it's a very grounded, if you can make a superhero movie that's grounded, but it's a grounded superhero movie that also kind of is like Wolverine is in a Western
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and kind of references that whole framework, which could be an interesting take to do Mm -hmm. and less of a bloated type movie than the prior X-Men film was. So do you, having seen the movie, how did, do you feel? Like this is kind of a breath of fresh air, and that it's different, or what's your take
1: on? All right, well, let me let me let me make a make a statement here that may be a little controversial to some. Uh oh. So Deadpool got all these rave reviews. Yes. Even nominated for I think a Golden Globe, Globe, and there was like all these petitions online that maybe it should be nominated for Oscar, which is ridiculous. Come on, really. <laughs> but
2: Well it did make a lot of money.
1: But the thing is, was- okay, Deadpool was funny. It had some funny moments. Uh, it, it had some very irre- irreverent humor. Mm-hmm. But I, I did not feel like it was a great movie. I think it got all of its acclaim and accolades for being different. Different. Okay. okay. I'm going to go ahead and, on record and say I think Logan's kind of got the same thing going for it. Okay. Where I think that's why everybody is fawning all over this movie is because the perception that it's different. Okay. Not necessarily whether it's a great movie or not. It's just I think people were, are happy to see something different in this genre. Deadpool gave us something different on one well, spectrum. Logan ra- on the other.
2: rated R humor. And yeah,
1: this is also setting rated R this for movie violence because it's the violence first rated language, R. Yes,
2: okay with violence. Okay, I,
1: it's a it's a fine movie.
2: Uh oh, you're giving it the fine tag, but. Watch out.
1: The more i 've thought about it, I do have some some issues with it. I will just say i think I think that people 's love for it right now is because it's different okay um i I'm happy it's different. I admire it because it's different, but that's to me that's the reason why everybody's saying, "Oh yeah, this is great. this is such a good movie It's because it's different because it's we've seen six or seven movies with Wolverine in it played by Hugh Jackman, and we've kind of seen all that, and all that kind of blurred together and now this is a breath of fresh air or something different. So again, kind of putting that perspective on it. Keep that in mind is that I think don't, don't get completely misled in saying that this is some revolutionary film or a very unique film. It's unique for this genre of superhero movies. Okay. Yes. It is a very, very good story. Oh. I will say okay. that. The story behind it Is really good.
2: Which, of course, being a comic book, it is based on a series that came out. Uh, It's loosely loosely based on it.
1: But uh, it's it's taken some different paths, and I think actually a more interesting path. Okay. Um, You do have Hugh Jackman starring as Logan the Wolverine. This is taking place in 2029. Okay. Um, You learn fairly soon on that Logan is, he's a limo driver. Which sounds a little odd, but you yes. know, uh, society is a little more downtrodden than it is now. Not quite apocalyptic, but just not the, doing as well. On the borders, eh, Not doing as well. Just, And this is down in the Mexico, Texas area where okay. he is, he is, he's set up. And you start to understand, and again, I'm telling you think that are in the first 15 minutes of the movie. So this sure. is not spoiler stuff. Um, basically, uh, there are no more mutants. There have been no mutants born since 2005, I believe. So, like, almost 20-some years, no mutants born. So, basically, that whole breed is dying out. We don't know what's happened to all the rest of the X-Men and all that, but you get the impression something bad happened to them. Okay. And you find out that Logan is basically a caregiver for Charles Xavier, Professor X. Okay. Who is dealing with dementia and uh, just old age. So... That's all I'm going to kind of tell you about that element of the story. It does kind of take a a road trip element along the way. Hmm. Um, There's a reason why Charles Xavier kind of has to be kept in exclusion, kind of away from people. Logan is trying to help support him. Logan himself is kind of losing his ability to heal and all this. So you get a very – it's a very human story of a man who used to be a certain character trying not to be that character anymore, supposedly – Caring for someone he sees as almost a father figure, but in a very challenging, unique environment. And um, well, yeah, coming to kind of grips with, with who they are now.
2: Well, it's interesting because I had high expectations of this film because unfortunately I'd seen the trailer with the Johnny Cash yeah. music. And then you're tempering my expectations by saying, you know, mm-hmm. careful. Don't get the you mm-hmm. know, Deadpool delusion. But then hearing you talk about it just then, it's doing nothing Building my expectations okay, well, back up. So I, what, so what, well, that, that sounds like an amazing well, movie. Like all that stuff you just said, I'm like, yeah, I'm sold. I, I totally I, hey, want. so I what, am telling you, didn't work? Um, didn't work without, I guess, spoiler sure. territory. Um,
1: but. I, what I just described to you with the setup of the film is what I said. I think it's a great story. Okay. Great premise. And the first and half of the, the film acting is good. First half of the film. I'm loving this film.
2: Okay.
1: The, uh, we meet a young girl named Laura who we come to find out has a lot of similarities and abilities and other things to Mr. Logan. And she, through some situations becomes part of this traveling road trip that the three of them have to make for certain reasons. Um, at I'm still at this point, this film is really good. Okay. Where it starts to go off the rails a little bit.
2: Ah, uh, here we go.
1: So it is a film of, I do think two halves. The second half of the film, I don't think is as strong, unfortunately. And it's, it's a letdown for me. Um, it they introduce an element in the second half of the film, a character that is very comic bookish and it just doesn't fit the rest of the film. Huh. And it's it was disappointing for me. They introduce a character that um I really can't say anything about it. It's just <laughs> okay. it's a character that pretty much you know when it happens. I
2: had no idea Roger Rabbit was in this movie. Yes, but... Roger Rabbit's
1: in the film, comes out and murders everybody. It's really crazy. No, they introduced a character as an antagonist to Logan
2: Okay. that,
1: you know, as soon as they, I, I realize what's going on, it's like, oh, it's just they were taking a, such a great story that had so little to do with comic books, superhero type of stuff. And then they introduced this character that hmm. just lowers it for me and just I was disappointed with that element to it. And unfortunately, that kind of lasted the whole second half. The whole second half is pretty brutal, just from violence, fighting, constant barrage of violence. And it got to be a little much by the end. I mean, that whole second half, by the end of the last fight scene, it's just, okay. This is just, I appreciate the realism. I appreciate that they're not making it big CGI spectacles. I love that. This is all very grounded action, very grounded action scenes. Okay. But it is just... So to a point, it's just overbearing and brutal and over the top after a while. Well, let
2: me let me ask you about sure. that, because that was another key question I wanted to ask. Um, you know, Deadpool R for language yeah. and adult stuff. This movie R because of violence. Oh, yeah. So do you think there was a reason? I mean, obviously, I know why it was made R because the violence. But do you think it? Was it gratuitous? Did it have a point? Or do you think it could have been trimmed to a PG-13 well, and the movie would have been just as good and maybe not as over the it top? It needed instead? the violence. Okay.
1: But here here's my issue. And this is a more of a story-driven issue with the film. Okay. Is that I think the message the film is trying to talk about is that Logan himself is trying to come to grips with the fact that he used to be a killer. And that's kind of alluded to throughout the story. Even when he meets Laura, his whole messaging to her is, it's not cool. Don't kill don't do this, but they find themselves in situations where they have to. Okay. And if that was a a storyline that was kind of carried from the first frame on this idea of he's regretting to some degree who he used to be and is trying not to be that person anymore. That's the film I wanted. Unfortunately, the very first scene five minutes in, he has brutally murdered three to four people. And it's just, it kind of, it's got a little bit of a hacksaw Ridge kind of thing to it for me, where it's like, (laughs) you're telling me that the story is that he's trying to, move away from his past and get away from who he used to be and not be that person anymore. But in the very first scene, you're showing me sh- him being extremely violent, uh, killing three to four people. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was a little bit of a discrepancy in what the, what they're trying to convey with that story. So I will say this, it was extremely violent. Um, I think it did get a little gratuitous towards the end and again, okay. just with the over the top violence constantly going on. Okay. Um, But it needed to have the violence because, again, the whole message is is that he is a guy who, unfortunately, violence has had to be the way he's had to solve problems. And he doesn't really have another way to solve them. And here he is faced with some multiple problems along the way, and he has to use the violence to do it. I will say uh, Hugh Jackman, great. Uh, Really, really good. Um, The one character they bring in the second half, again, I can't say anything more about it. I'm curious. Um,
2: fanboy wants to know. Not a fanboy, but little much. Ner- nerd boy wants to know. Little much.
1: Okay. Uh, Patrick Stewart, awesome. Okay, this is the best I've seen Patrick Stewart. Honestly, really? yes. Okay. And then the girl playing Laura, the little girl, awesome. Hmm. Acting on those three characters was great, and that's what made the first half of the film so great to watch. Huh. It just by the second half, it, had, I think it just kind of lost its sight a little bit. It became a little more of a one of the other X-Men movies, which I wasn't really, you know, I, I didn't want it to become. So that's that's why I'm kind of a mixed bag on the film. I think it's definitely go go out and see it, no matter what. Just understand that don't get bought into the hype of it just being this revolutionary take on the superhero. First half, yes, is. Second half, kind of falls in the same traps, I feel like, uh, that other films have. So okay. that's that's my take on the film. I do think it's a very interesting film, just... You know, I, I don't think it's the, you know, just like I didn't think Deadpool was some award-worthy revolutionary film. It was just, hey, we made a rated R superhero movie and we made them really funny. Hmm. And it was fine for what it was, but I think people got to, way too excited about the fact that it was different. And that just goes to show we've been given a lot of the same in the superhero field for many, many years. So,
2: Well, sadly enough, on a closing note, you know, Deadpool made... A ton of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, Logan, has already made oh, yeah. a ton of money. Yep. And not to jump ahead to the news items, but on a closing note for this, DC has already been like making comments about how they're looking into making an R-rated movie. So they're following the footsteps, trying yeah, I think to that's see what. Stupid. I what mean, don't for them.
1: don't don't just say, "Well, obviously, if we let our superheroes curse and <laughs> kill people violently, that people will come see it." It still has to be a good story, right? You know, it, it can't just be the rating. True. Um, I will say this I think is the best Wolverine movie which there's been 3 so that's not saying a whole lot cuz the other two weren't great the first I never one was, saw The first one. first one was really bad second one was okay um this is definitely the best and it may be one of the best X-Men movies that they've oh. done, even from back in the Bryan Singer days. I mean, okay. those were pretty good films back when they first started. This one's kind of up in that same area of good film. So, mm-hmm. again, just don't get bought into too much hype. Go in with some relatively sane expectations. <laughs> and just be prepared. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on the second half and whether you felt like it went off the rails. Like I felt like it kind of did. So,
2: Okay. Yeah
1: all right so that's logan that's my take on it um we're going to switch over now and i'm going to grill chris about a film that has probably even more spoilers in it that we're not going to get into or we're going to have to dance around and that is the uh horror film directed by jordan peele of key and peel it is get out
2: you got your toothbrush yeah do you have your deodorant do you have your cozy clothes got that what
0: They know I'm black. Should you they? You might wanna, you know.
2: Mom and dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs>
1: black. I ain't never seen you like this before, bruh. Meeting families and taking road trips. So come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> 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 Because I made the decision the other night of what film I was going to go see, and I opted to go see Logan because I did want to see the film. Sure. But I was really torn on, man, I really want to go see Get Out because I'm hearing some really interesting things about it. I haven't watched the trailer. I Don't. have not read any detailed reviews. Don't. I've just seen star ratings, and I've just seen quick little quotes that people put up on their website, and I'm like, okay, I'm interested. I really want to see this film, but I need Chris Fry to tell me whether I should... Uh, follow that instinct or not.
2: Yeah. Um, don't see the trailer. Okay. Um, I'm, all I, I know is the
1: film is about, uh, just from one line IMDb, oh, yeah. young African-American man visits his Caucasian girlfriend's mysterious family estate. That's man, all I know.
2: What's really fun, that is the most awesome synopsis of this film mm-hmm. because it it is the most generic, stereotypical synopsis. Yeah. And that's what this movie is all about. The okay. stereotypes... Racism, whether inadvertent or, mm-hmm. adver- you know, intentional sure. racism. Um, I like this film a lot. I will say, as I, I know why it was done, it's not a horror film. Okay. Yes, I not ha- think it yes, was. Yes, it has aspects of that sure. in it. There are some bloody moments and stuff. But it was marketed mm-hmm. specifically in the trailer with the music and the intense music and some of the stuff they show. As a horror film. Mm-hmm. And I totally get that. They do that because they need to make money. This is Jordan Peele, even though he had successful comedy stuff. He is the writer and director of this. This is his first film on his mm-hmm. own. So I, I get it. They're trying to market it and have a huge audience. Sure. I get that. Unfortunately, the trailer leaves nothing of the film to the imagination. Mm-hmm. You know where it's going you okay. know, if you've been awake during the two-minute trailer. Right. Um, But that being said, I still enjoyed watching the story unfold, even though I kind of knew the the points that it was going to hit. All right. Um, The reason behind that, the acting in this film is really good. And the two leads that play the boyfriend and the girlfriend, I'd never heard of them before. Um, Allison Williams plays the girl, Rose Armitage, and her boyfriend I'd seen in an episode of Black Mirror, actually. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Mm Mm-hmm daniel kaluuya or Mm -hmm. kaluuya and he plays the boyfriend chris washington and he does a really good job and his face and the way he can kind of he says a lot with his face cutting his eyes back and forth sometimes when certain things are said to him by the girl's parents or he just and he does a really good job looking nervous Mm -hmm, (laughs) and mm -hmm. uncomfortable um yeah the acting is one thing that keeps this film you know being a really good debut also Mm -hmm. Jordan Peele you know his sense as a director like cutting scenes together and the dialogue as a Mm -hmm. writer that he did it's just it's really it's well made I also say I would never expect for a first film to be so visual Hmm. and there's a lot of cinematography in the way like um the way certain sequences of like altered reality i'm just going to leave it at that Mm -hmm. (laughs) or depict it because i don't want to ruin anything because you haven't seen it um and our listeners probably haven't either the way those are directed are very impressive that you would think somebody would have to have a repertoire of like a film or two where they've depicted things like this before and now it's like okay i've built on this language it'd be like if tim burton Mm -hmm. did something like um i don't know I don't know, like his language that he's built up, if Mm -hmm. he would have made Alice in Wonderland, even though I didn't like that film, Mm -hmm. but if he had done that as his first film with all that visual language that was very Tim Burton-esque, you would have been like, whoa, how is this guy? Now granted, Get Out is not quite that insane with the visual language that Tim Burton, but for Jordan Peele to already have seemingly that much of a working knowledge and Mm -hmm. to have kind of a guide map as to where he's already been, I guess, Mm -hmm. in his mind and where he's going was really... Cool to see. Mm. Um, this film is not like Tony Urban in the fact that it's two hours and forty two minutes <laughs> long. It's only an hour and forty four minutes long. Mm-hmm. But watching it in a theater with other people was also a pretty interesting experience mm. because the people had seen the trailer. Mm-hmm. They thought they were going in for one type of movie, or I think they thought they were going in because of Jordan Peele. They were going in for a complete comedy, like slapstick, yeah. and it ain't that either. Okay. It's not a horror movie. It's not a comedy. All right. But it's interesting little bits of both. And I thought he melded those two together really well. I cannot wait. I've never, i never watched Keem Peele. I'd heard Time him. Right I'd either. heard them yeah. reference the comedy duo of them. And, you know, they'd had a series, I think on Comedy Central or something. Never saw it, but I'd heard of it. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what he does next. And even though it didn't get great reviews, I'm actually interested to go back and see the movie that he did with like, um, Keanu. Mm-hmm. Keanu. Yeah. yeah. The one, the gangster kitten, mm-hmm. right. I'm, I'm curious about that one because I don't think he directed it, but I assume that he at least. I think wrote they it. wrote it. I think the yeah. two of them
1: wrote it together, if I remember correctly. So yeah. So I'm,
2: I'm interested to see that now, which I just kind of you know had no interest in seeing it whatsoever because of Get Out. I'm interested in going back and checking out Keanu, and I can't wait to see what Jordan Peele decides to do in the future. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a film I would recommend you check out, and depending on how you feel about watching it in a, your theater experience, yeah. You know, the visuals and all that stuff, they're cool. You can see those at home, though. It's not that you have to see mm-hmm. them on the big screen, but watching the it with other people here. that don't, because, you know, I heard comments like, what? You know, like just exclamations like, whoa, like, you know, just things. People laughing at things and then realizing that, you know, just the intent of, was that supposed to be funny? Hmm. Or you know, just some of the humor, the uh, uneasy humor at yeah. some moments were yeah. just, were cool.
1: Okay, well, I'm sold. I'm there. <laughs> Tell you what. How about tonight? Uh, let's go to the movies. I will buy you a ticket to go see Logan. You buy me a ticket to go see Get Out, and then we'll come back and swap notes at the end. There you go. That would Good. be interesting. Awesome. So that's Get Out. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely sold. I'm ready to go see it now. And uh, Logan, don't don't let me dissuade you. You should go see it. Just go in with some tempered expectations, because I do feel like, I don't feel like it's a complete success movie-wise. I think it does fall apart in the last half. That's okay. that's That's my take on it. So that's our two, or actually our three reviews. We already finished up Tony Erdman, Logan, and Get Out. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hit a couple of my items of movie news and finish up with our recommendations for the episode. Stay tuned, we'll be right back.
0: We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at TheMesh.TV and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show.
1: Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Before we get back into our show, just a quick reminder, you are listening to this show on TheMesh.TV. That is the name of a network. Think about Comedy Central. Think about AMC. Think about, uh, you know, uh, what's the radio network, the big radio network that owns all the radio stations. I don't even remember now. iHeart Radio. Yeah. So many things, you know. It's a network. The difference is you can go on our website, see all the shows we have, and decide which ones you want to listen to. You can even download them to your iPad, your iPhone, your Android phone, your computer, whatever it may be. Listen to them as you go out for a jog, walk the dogs, exercising, whatever it may be. Driving to work. That's the whole idea. beauty of podcasts is you download these shows, you listen to them at your leisure, but even more importantly, you can subscribe to them. Meaning if you find a show you like, tell it that you want to subscribe to it. You can use iTunes. I know there's some other podcast applications that will do this. You want to subscribe to the show. The idea of subscription means you get a new episode downloaded to your device whenever it's available without you having to go hunt and find it and see if there's a new episode available. So for Candle Films, You're enjoying what we're talking about. Go hit the subscribe button. We'd love to have you as a subscriber. But even if you don't want to subscribe, maybe you're scared of a commitment. Maybe you don't want to click that button. You don't know what's going to happen. That's fine. Just keep coming back to the mesh.tv website and you can listen to new episodes on our website at your leisure whenever you feel like it. Chris, this is the part of the show where we talk about some movie news. I am kind of a movie news junkie. I think I've actually brought you along over the last few years to actually start reading more movie news, which is kind of fun. I've taught you. So we actually kind of both bring a couple of news items to the table and go ping pong back and forth between us and just get each other's reactions on some of these news items we want to share. So with that being said, Chris, how about I let you go first? Because I think you've got two to share and I only have one. So what do you have first for us?
2: So Damien Chazelle, yes, I've heard of him, and La La Land,
1: youngest man to ever win, or youngest individual to ever win an Oscar for Best
2: Director, and almost for Best Picture, almost, almost
1: for Best Picture. For like two minutes, he had it for Best Picture. (laughs) So
2: yeah. So his, I think, what is going to be his next film Mm -hmm. is going to be called First Man. Okay, it is going to be a biopic about Neil Armstrong. Oh wow! It is, has a release date of October 2018. That is and not
1: the next film I would have expected him to do.
2: Ryan Gosling is going to star as Neil Armstrong. Alan,
1: thoughts? Mm. I, you know, I'm intrigued <laughs> just because I think I think uh, I think he's a good director. I've liked both of his films. Well, I haven't seen the. Uh, I've only seen two. I have not seen uh, Guy and Madeline. Madeline on a Park Bench, um, but I really like Whiplash. I really like La La Land. I'm interested to see it, but it's not the film I would have expected. All three of his other films are very musically inclined, centered around music. I can't imagine the Neil Armstrong film would have a whole lot to do with music. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> so to do a biopic, um, I'm curious.
2: I, You know, I am too. And that's that's the reason that I found it so surprising is that not that he was reteaming with Gosling. Why wouldn't he? You know, It seemed to work well for La La Land. But that he was doing a thing that had nothing to do with music but i admire that i mean oh, I, I mean too. for me i, I would too.
1: i would actually start to get worried if his next film was all about some other music scene or, or figure, musical style or
2: whatever right you would figure yeah. it'd be like about um the great balls of fire guy whatever his name. Jerry, lee lewis. jerry lee lewis like mm-hmm. you would figure it'd be like a biopic right. on jerry lee lewis which has already been done but like it would be something like that a biopic of a musician yeah um, not of a guy walking on the moon. Like it's just, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, me too. I'm curious
1: to see if he can jump outside the music genre and do something interesting. Um, that, that'd be great if he pulls it off.
2: What I'm kind of excited, but hopefully not, I won't get my hopes up, but he has a very interesting visual language with the camera. Mm-hmm. Definitely used it in La Land. It was mm-hmm. in the, the guise of being a musical, but the visual language he sure. used, mm-hmm. me being a big fan of science fiction and Okay, I won't burden him with saying I'm going to hold him up to the expectation of the spacewalk scenes in 2001. Sure. Or like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But kind of the lyrical ballet quality of stuff, I could see him maybe lending that to a Neil Armstrong biopic. Well, space in general can
1: be, you can make space very lyrical. Right. Uh, we've seen directors do that before, so maybe there's something to that. But, you know, I'm fine if there's nothing in the film that has to do with music whatsoever. Sure. If he is showing us that, hey, look, I can do a biopic. I can take a lead actor, you know, and really give him a great performance. And I can uh, tell a historical document in an interesting way. More power to him. I'm always skittish of biopics. Uh, I I'm, I get very nervous about biopics because I feel like it's very easy to make a bad biopic. Well,
2: And I'm interested to see, too, um, I like Ryan Gosling. Um, I really liked him in The Nice Guys, that film we reviewed from early in 2016. Mm -hmm. But I've heard a criticism that a lot of people think he's just kind of a hollow actor. Yeah, he's fine, but he doesn't really give a lot to a performance or Mm he just kind of gets by on his looks or his charm. Um, Um, With Neil Armstrong, not that I know a lot of what Neil Armstrong was like, but because he's such a figure, he's going to have to exude some type of you know, he's going to have to embody do <laughs> Neil Armstrong because this is about a real person. He can't just be cool right. on screen. There's right. going to be more to it. And it's a, it's a good... So I'm interested to see Ryan Gosling yeah. take on something like a
1: biopic. Sure. No, I'm curious. I'm completely on board. I think that'd be really interesting. Um, I am I had not heard that. So I'm actually kind of glad you told me that. Actually, I think that's the right next step and we'll see if it pays off or not. So we'll know pretty quickly whether this guy is... Uh, Meant for greater things in film, the film world, or if he needs to kind of resign to be a a, a guy who makes films about music, you know, sure. that's that's kind of what he's battling against right now. Sure, you make three films in a row of a certain type, you kind of you kind of pigeonhole yourself unless you start to break out of it. So I think this was the right move um, to do. Absolutely. Well, I guess a little bit about space, science fiction. Maybe I'm trying to draw a, a strange parallel to it, but really, <laughs> that's that's it. There's not much else to it. Chris, this is something we haven't talked about in a really long time. The film Avatar. Ah. 2009, I believe. Yeah. The original film. That was like, uh, what? Eight years ago, seven, seven and a half years ago, it came out. Um, I will go on record. I thought Amazon, I thought Avalon was pretty good movie or app. What did I say? Amazon
2: avatar. You don't remember the name (laughs) of the movie because it was so long ago. (laughs) Um,
1: I thought it was a good visual movie. I thought story wise, it was pretty dumb, but I thought visually it was really well done. I enjoy, I took my son. This was of course he's 15 now. So he would have been seven, I guess, or so maybe around there. We went to a theater just to go see it in 3D at a really big theater with a big screen and a big theater. And it was a thrilling, vis- visceral experience to watch this film in 3D on a really big surround screen. So, from that standpoint, I liked it. You know, yeah, the story I thought had a lot of dumb material. It was really, it was basically dances with wolves up on, a, on another planet, but I liked it. But I have no desire to go back to it. I mean okay. really I just I've never had a what burning desire to say I need to go back and see that film again or I've
2: only seen it once
1: or to see a sequel oh, okay yeah. that's there's absolutely zero interest on my behalf for a sequel and I don't think there's a lot of interest in anybody else in a sequel either <laughs> but James Cameron is still he's, he's still, by for gosh it. he is still making Do we have money. a day, do
2: we have a date uh
1: well it was supposed to be 2014 it was supposed to be December 2014 okay obviously it is past December 14, it and it's it did not been, right, show up. Okay. Um, and I felt the, like
2: it was already supposed to be by now, so I just assumed it was It's supposed to
1: mean. be a five-film franchise. Oh, get out. No, it was going to be. No, that was the film we just reviewed. Right, no, that's um. true. Um, Good point. It was supposed to be 2014, and then there were going to be three other films, 2020, 22, and 23. Five films for, uh, for Well, he's av- making
2: them all at once, right, because eh, of the expense sure. and everything? That's fine.
1: But, okay, of course, 2014 did not happen. Nope. Um, then they were saying as 2018, which is next year. Okay, that's not going to happen now either. Really? Yep, Variety has said, nope, not going to happen in 2018 either. So we're talking about Avatar two is probably going to be at least 10 or 11 years after the original.
2: This is good. You know what I think this is? I think it's a deal like the producers, he gets all these people to put money and it's going to fail. Gonna he knows like, it. He's like, right, I think I'm just going to keep says.
1: milking this, this avatar thing to keep. No you know.
2: one is going to care. No one's going to remember. It's not like star Wars where you have all this groundswell and fandom and everything. And they kept pushing and wanting sequels and all that kind of stuff. No, I don't think anybody really cares about... Well, part of the reason they say 2018
1: isn't happening is because, like you said, they are making these next four films together. Okay. So that's like... Basically, he's quoted as saying, this is going to consume the next eight years of my life. Making these four films. Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5. I'm just saying, I'm... I'm worried for old James. I'm a little worried. Okay. To devote the next eight years of your life to a film franchise,
2: I don't think has any more life. Mm -mm. I don't think anybody's interested in these films. Maybe it had life as a sequel. If it'd come out in 2014. Oh, sure.
1: If it had been, you know, two, three years later. Yeah. I think it probably could have done pretty well. I'm sure it would not have been the biggest grossing film of all time with a sequel, but it probably would have done decent business and it could have been interesting. Now it's just like, I mean, do you even have the same actors? I mean, what, what goes on with this? Um, I mean, supposedly Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana, which were in the stars of it are signed on to do it. Uh, you gotta imagine if you're actors like them, you're just like, really? So I'm, I'm tied up for the next couple of years working on these four films that keeps getting pushed back. You know, the, Disney's opening this up in the animal kingdom as kind of like a little sub world inside their theme God park. Animal
2: kingdom, they needed something. Well, they did.
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that's fine. I'm sure they're just trying to prime the pump a little bit, but I don't know, Chris, I mean, any interest it sounds like already you're saying no there's no, no interest. but
2: i will say avatar is my go-to film you're saying what why would you ever go to avatar it is the only film that i feel like ever earned my money for 3d
1: you know yeah i agree And I
2: remember when I saw that because that was the big hype. It was like, oh, you need to see this sucker in the theater because it's going to be so amazing. And they, you know, had all the documentaries on the technology. I took my dad, and he was like, yeah, the story was crap, but it looked amazing. It did, and you know, it actually convinced me at first that the movie was okay, was pretty. Mm -hmm. And then it was only upon reflection, I'm like, yeah, the plot was kind of dumb. Well, the story—I mean, there were so many kind of terrible. But I mean,
1: when you call your mineral unobtainium, right? I mean, that's part of your story. (laughs) It's like, okay, that pretty much sums up in one line what's wrong with the story. That should
2: be the name of the sequel: unobtainium, Unobtainium, because it's never going to happen. It
1: would be unattainable. So, (laughs) right? um, But no, I I will. But visually, you're right. It was amazing.
2: So, you know, could Mr. Cameron be cooking up another theatrical experience that in 2020, or whenever, will it be really amazing? By 2020,
1: May- what it has to be is everybody in the theater has to wear like the Oculus Rift kind of right. goggles where you basically can look all around and see and everything. see the, the entire th- theater th- you know, Granted, experience. if that's what's available in five or six years, Avatar would actually be pretty yeah, cool to see You actually feel that. like
2: you are in Pandora <laughs> yeah. because of the setup. Or Pangea, either one. <laughs> so. right, either one. Um, so I will say, you know, he did achieve something with Avatar. Not a good film, but an interesting visual yeah. film right. and yeah. technology. So – I mean, my interest is very low because who knows if it'll ever happen. But you know, maybe he'll, maybe he'll surprise. You gotta us. wonder
1: at some point that if the studios aren't saying okay, so we're supposed to be bankrolling four of these films, right. and we're still not even like two or three years away from showing the first one. And you know, it's been eight years since the first movie. I mean, if your studio exec funding this, you gotta be worried. I, I mean, think so. I, I could honestly see this whole project imploding. <laughs> like, I could see in the next year we hear that it's all scrapped. Like, sure. done.
2: Done. Like, studios do say,
1: you know, not going to do it anymore. So, sure. anyway. All right, what's your second and final news item for okay, us?
2: Okay, so Steven Spielberg.
1: I know, the, I know of him.
2: You've heard of him. I his. have heard of him, yes. You've probably also heard He makes of movies, right? He does. Yes. Um, a lot of times they get Oscar, you know, they Oscar do. buzz. Mm-hmm. You've probably heard of Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks as well. Both of them ringing a bell. Sound familiar. <laughs> well, his next movie is going to be called The Post- The Post. The Post. P-O-S-T. Yes, and it's not just going to be like a wooden post out in the middle of a field and like going through different seasons and through 30 years. Although that
1: movie would still get Meryl Streep an Oscar nomination.
2: As well as Tom Hanks. And probably The Post. Probably The Post. No, um, it... This tells the story around how the Pentagon papers and how the Washington Post was one of the papers that was trying to uh-huh. break the news story mm-hmm. behind that and you know had sensitive information in there about the Vietnam War back in that time frame, and so it 's the whole like journalism's kind of another i mean except spotlight was about the um, the abuse scandal yeah, in the, the Catholic, Catholic Church. Church so this is about the whole machinations behind the Pentagon papers and putting that the truth out there the mm. you know the post struggling to get that story out. So Spielberg's doing it. He's got Streep and Hanks. I'm thinking probably going to be, you know, Oscar worthy.
1: I think they're already printing the Oscar (laughs) envelopes now right? (laughs) just to go and have them on file. So let's go ahead and print up best actress, best actor, best director, best picture, best screenplay. We'll have them all on file, just ready to pull out whenever this film is actually released. And they
2: know if nothing else, you're right. Meryl Streep will get nominated. So I have to admit uh, Spielberg's prior film that i I saw um bridge of Spies yeah I thought it was okay it's okay but it something something was lacking I have to go back mm-hmm. and rewatch and figure it out but I think um not that that film wasn't timely because it was, but you know the whole media aspect yeah. and everything that's going behind this film oh sure no it's a very I think timely it'll be film. yeah I, I think it will be. bridge of
1: Spies him. was a good film it was a slightly disappointing Spielberg film uh, but it was a fairly good Cold War uh, thriller drama film, you know? Sure. So, um, and I liked actually learning about that period of history and some of the things going on. Um, well, it sounds interesting. Again, I uh, it's a very timely film. Sure. But there's also been some other films. I, I'm thinking about that Lions for Lambs or Limes and Lambs. It was Tom Cruise. And I think Meryl Streep was in that one too. And <laughs> uh, Robert Redford, I think, directed. Okay. So again, a big high-profile thing about a very current affairs type of event. And it just bombed flat you know so we don't know there's no telling at this point spielberg's very hit or miss lately you know he's either on his on fire or turns out something that just doesn't do anything for any audience so
2: right
1: okay well that's our news items and what we'll do now is we're at the approaching the uh final final uh final runway of the of the episode here as we do our recommendations so just again what we do with this is chris and i both Pour through our video library or our watch list history or maybe just something we've caught up with even just recently. And we want to recommend something that if you're looking for a film to, to watch at home and you've got some streaming services or iTunes rental or anything else you can do, um, these are some films we think you ought to check out. And Chris, since you talked last, how about I go ahead and go first and okay. then I'll let you do yours. So my film is a film that I caught up with uh, I had not seen since I was in middle school. Wow caught up with it again just the other night Uh, it was on uh, Turner Classic Movies Hmm. so I don't know if you can really just search and find this on Netflix or Amazon or anything but I know you can rent it somewhere online for sure it's a 1982 film called Death Trap (laughs) now okay um, sounds like a
2: Parker Brothers board game
1: (laughs) well yeah so Death Trap is a it was by a director Sidney Lumet that you made *Dog Day Afternoon uh, 12 Angry Men I mean good director Mm mm-hmm Stars Michael Caine and Christopher Reeve, also with Diane Cannon. Hmm. It's pretty much just the three of them. I think there's maybe one or two other characters, but it's pretty much the three of them.
2: Okay.
1: A couple of reasons I want to bring this up as a recommendation. Um, one, first off, it's it's based on a play. Okay. And it's about a play. So it's kind of like a very meta type of thing. It's like It's based on a play, and it's about a playwright who's writing plays, and he's trying to write a new play, and the play he's trying to write is called Death Trap, and it's kind of i okay. got so this interesting little meta thing going on. The main reason I want to bring it up is, you know, we talked about the film Fences yes. um, a couple episodes ago. You reviewed it on a one-sided review because I had not seen it at that point. Right. Your big kind of concern with the film or issue with the film is that it was very much like just recording a play. People on stage talking in a back in the backyard of the house, you know, and you felt like it was just a little flat from that standpoint of it just being – a play but you ultimately like the film because of the performances i saw the film recently too and i did ultimately like it although i agree the first half of the film i'm just like oh my gosh i feel like i'm just watching a stage play and there's just nothing else to do this other than watching people talk sure it got better with the second half and i actually think it redeemed itself and the performances were both really good so i'm giving the film a, a overall a, a recommendation but if you really want to see how to interestingly make a play into a film, even when you can find most of the film to one house, one room, one stage, this is a good example of it. Okay. I think it does a really good job. Um, Michael Caine is Michael Caine. Okay, just go ahead. Even, you know, I always just keep thinking about the uh, impersonations from The Visit, that movie, or yeah, the, the, the trip, the trip yeah. of Michael Caine. Yeah, it's pretty much he is at his Michael Caine-ish here <laughs> in this film as well. Awesome. Um, But Christopher Reeve, let me talk about Christopher Reeve in this movie. So this happened, this movie took place, was done after the Superman movie. I think it was right after Superman 2. So in other words, he is at the peak of Superman. He's a superstar. Right. But you know, think about what other films do you know that Christopher Reeve was in outside of the Superman films? Mm -hmm. He was in a film called Somewhere in Time which was like with... uh, Never saw it. Yeah, Jane uh, Jane Seymour, and it's like he travels back in time Hmm. to go visit this girl that he's fascinated with in a picture. I remember that romance film. Hmm. And then I remember this film, and that's about it during the Superman period in general. So, of course, everybody America has a very distinct vision of Christopher Reeve. Absolutely. So this film takes some interesting turns with the Christopher Reeve character. I will say it's probably the best acting I've ever seen him do, and there are some moments where he is pretty... There are flashes of quick moments where he's acting kind of terrifying. And it's huh. it's a really, really, I think, good performance. Wow. Could it be a little over the top? Yeah. Is the movie a little corny and cheesy at times? Yes. Does it end satisfactorily? No. But <laughs> but you're still recommending it? I'm still recommending it because I think it's a fun... It was more of a blast of the past for me, but I do think it's a good movie. Okay. Um, so that's Death Trap. I don't know if, uh, where it's available online, but... I know it was running on TCM for a while, and I'm sure you can find it on Amazon or iTunes to rent.
2: I'm interested to see it because I'd like to see a non-Superman Christopher Reeve performance. Okay,
1: well, then this is the film to see. So I, this I is like... the film to see. Okay. He, uh, it takes some interesting turns in the film, and uh, yeah, I, I think you should check it out. Okay. Yep, and let, you, let me know what you think. Maybe we can do that as a follow-up sometime okay. when you get a chance to see it so what's your recommendation
2: so mine is the edge of 17 okay which was a comedy that came out in 2016 It's from first-time director kelly Freeman craig on hmm. um, which i like jordan peele i'm interested to see her next film because this That's was a very you like this film it's a very assured debut um ha- Haley steinfeld plays the girl it's kind of a coming of age drama she's you know in high school she's has all these problems and you know she thinks the world hates her and yeah you, know, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know being seventeen, what can you say? Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's just a really accurate depiction of kind of that time of someone's life, kind of like you know, dazed and confused did the 70s and in high school and you mm-hmm. had um Everybody Wants Some, which was another update. Right. You know, so this is a very sixteen candles type thing, which is more straight mm-hmm. out kind of comedy. Um but edge of seventeen it's it's good. She Haley Seinfeld is really good in it, and somebody else which I've never really thought much about Woody Harrelson. Oh you know? yeah, mm-hmm. you know he's he's okay, but I never think of him as like oh he was my favorite part of a film. He plays I think it's an English teacher in this, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is amazing. Really, do me a favor and like just like with Get Out, don't watch the trailer, just okay. see the movie mm-hmm. if you're interested in it. If you're interested in this movie, don't see the trailer because there are, they take excerpts of his like talks with her yeah. and those are some of my favorite parts of the film. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so the dialogue going back and forth between them and he kind of is like, man, I wish I'd had a teacher like that. And maybe you did and if you did, I'm jealous. Um, but Wow. Yeah, he's really, really good in this. Interesting. Um, so, well, Haley 17.
1: Steinfeld is an actress I'm, I think is really good. I okay. mean, I've, I've seen her, you know, she was in True Grit. Right. The Coen Brothers film a few years ago, really good in that. Yeah, uh, I liked her. I mean, she had a small part, but I liked her in that film. Uh, Begin again, the uh, Mark Ruffalo, Kier Knightley. Uh, it was the uh, oh, yeah. John Carney the, film that I we totally reviewed. Remember
2: the film? Don't remember her. In she's the daughter.
1: She's Mark Ruffalo's daughter, and small part, but okay. she's good in it. Huh. And uh, I can't think of anything else offhand. I think she was in one of the uh, the 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 singing group movies. Um, hmm. What was the Pitch Perfect? Oh, okay. Which I haven't seen those films, but I think she was in one of those. Okay. But she's a, she's an actress I definitely think has got some great talent and a good future ahead of her. So Okay. Cool. So, yeah, check it out. So is the moral of our episode today that we shouldn't watch trailers?
2: Well, I think— Because think about it. We've tried to hint upon that yeah. in the past, but yeah. Because you
1: watching the Logan trailer, I think, has raised your expectations, and I'm trying to help temper them just in case you go see it. Um you don't want me to see the trailer for Get Out, which I haven't seen yet. Yeah, anyway, don't. please don't. Um, Tony Erdman, the trailer doesn't really tell you anything. So you could see that, but that one's okay. Yeah. Um, and then you're saying don't watch the trailer for Edge of Seventeen. Don't.
2: Okay. Yeah, well, so, don't.
1: there you go. Don't watch trailers. That's our no, don't that's our watch rule.
2: trailers. Just listen to our show, and we'll tell you what to go see.
1: <laughs> well, we'll do, we should introduce a new segment where we kind of act out like a scene from a trailer. So we at least we give you a little taste <laughs> of the film. But you are it's so heavily disguised by right. our beautiful acting prowess that you know you don't really know what's going on and it doesn't spoil anything for you i think that's what we ought to do (laughs) we ought to do our own little trailer or trailer theater trailer here on the the show trailers okay okay well that's our show for today so we have reviewed uh tony erdman we have reviewed logan and we have reviewed get out we talked about some news we talked about avatar we talked about Oh my gosh! What were the news items you brought up? Uh, um,
2: first Man, Damien Chazelle. Oh yeah, movie, the, uh, the 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 Armstrong
1: film and the Post, starring uh, sounds like Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, and Mr. Spielberg directing. Yep. And then our recommendations: The Edge of Seventeen, and I had Death Trap from 1982. So that's our show for today, Chris. People have a burning desire to talk to us, to comment on us, to tell us how wrong we are with anything we said. How should they go about doing that? What would be the easiest routes for them to take, other than trying to find where we live and hunting us down and knocking on our front door? Other than that, probably not cool to do that. But
2: um, info at themesh.tv. Send us an email. Put in the subject line the movie you want us to review or. Just uh, let us know some thoughts and stuff on past episodes, what you think about our opinions, how we're wrong. (laughs) Um, Otherwise, you can also check Alan and I out on Letterboxd. We both, from time to time, put movies in there that we've seen, maybe would write a small little review. But those are both ways that you can keep up with us, as well as our back episodes. A lot of them are on the the mesh.tv website. Also, you can go. We have a YouTube channel where we have a lot more. And actually, I think that's where the greater reservoir of all our episodes, dating back to goodness knows how how far back. But I think our very first episode where we reviewed Win Win is actually still on YouTube. Oh wow, Uh, classic, classic Classic candle films. Yes,
1: yes. (laughs) you need to go go back in the Wayback Machine for that one. So. Chris and I, our voice had not broken yet. We were still really young. So it's a good time to go back and listen. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. And again, reach out to us or uh, uh, find us online. Find us on iTunes. We always appreciate the feedback. And until then, uh, we'll see you next time we record.
2: See you in the ticket line.